I wonder how you view the church in these days, speaking of the church in a broad sense. Uh, we seem uh, in the Christian church to be struggling in our land, falling numbers, a decline in true spiritual life. An atmosphere of complete godlessness is all around us. And I wonder, do we become discouraged? Do you think at times that God, the God whom we worship and serve, doesn't seem to be active? Certainly in the days in which we live, we do not see many mighty workings of God. Uh, The miraculous power which we read of in the New Testament is not uh, at least evident in the way it was then. All around us, there are people who are going about their business quite content and happy in their utter worldliness. And if they give any thought to the things of God, it is a passing thought, a fleeting glimpse in the direction of some far-off superior being whom they know nothing of. For you and I who love our God, we would love to see God pouring out His power and working miraculous ways, showing His mighty grace, calling sinners miraculously from their sin and bringing healing to the sick and all of those things. We must not, however, fall into the trap of thinking that God is not at work. Our God is still on the throne. He is still the all-powerful, miracle-working God today, unchanged from the days that we read of when Jesus was on earth or in the days of what we are reading about here in Acts chapter 9 where he heals uh, people uh, through Peter, his servant. And one of the reasons that we need to keep that in view is because God is at work uh, in a mighty way. We need to perhaps sometimes take a broader view of things. We need to look across the globe. We need to be looking at places where there are miraculous workings. The miracle of saving grace coming to people in other places, in other countries. Jesus Christ is proclaimed and believed. And the passage we come to this evening in Acts chapter 9 should remind us that the God who healed in the New Testament days is still the same God who is mighty in power and glorious in our day. In this section, uh, we are coming to that period. Remember, we have noted in the previous part of this uh, chapter, Saul, Saul's conversion, and as a result of Saul's conversion, there is peace. At the end of the previous section, verse 31, we read of the church that it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of of the Lord. Why? Because for a season the persecution had abated. For a time Saul had been changed and the the powerful forces that he brought against the church had been dissipated. 
And we might ask, well, how did the church grow? What happened that brought about this growth? And these two incidents give us a glimpse of how the church was expanding in those days. And I want to think first about the ministering of the word that we see here. Then I want to focus on the miraculous working of God. And then lastly on the many who believe. And I hope, pray, we'll get some encouragement and lessons for ourselves. First of all, please note the ministering of the word. In these two accounts, and we're taking both that as we deal with Aeneas and then with Tabitha or Dorcas, in both these accounts as we read them, what do we find? We find Peter, um, one who is ministering the word of God. We find that here in chapter 9, verse 32. Peter traveled about the country. He went to visit the saints in Lydda. And what was he doing? Well, we know what Peter was doing. Peter was bringing the word of God. Peter was there to speak to them of his Savior, Jesus Christ. He was there to bring them the knowledge that he had, the first-hand account of what Jesus had done on earth, how he had died, how he had risen from the dead. And he was there to encourage the believers in their faith. He comes to Lydda and it's in the course of this ministry that he finds this man, Aeneas, a man who has a real problem. But it is as Peter is ministering the word that he comes across this man, uh, a situation that demands a miraculous work which we'll come to shortly. But Peter is there to encourage to speak to the saints and to minister to any who would hear his message. The same could be said with regards to his call to go down uh, from Leda uh, <coughs> to Joppa. Here another a disciple has fallen ill. Tabitha has become sick and more than that she has died. Now this isn't very far from where Peter is. And so, hearing that the messenger is there, they send for Peter to go down to them. But what did they want? Can you imagine for one moment that they were thinking that if Peter only comes, he has the power, he has the power to raise our dear sister from the sleep of death? They may have had that thought in the back of their minds, but I'm not convinced that that would be their first thought. When they ask Peter to come down, a renowned teacher who talks about the resurrected one, Jesus Christ, surely what they were wanting was the encouragement from him concerning the way of God. In their sorrow and grief at the passing of one who had been so used in their midst, What they wanted to hear was the message from God. They wanted the encouragement of God's word. And so hearing that Peter, that renowned teacher, was nearby, it was a natural thing for them. Send for him. Go and bring him so we can have some word from the Lord in the midst of our sorrow and difficulty. And if there's more, so be it. 
Perhaps deep down there was a hope that maybe some miracle might be performed. But their thought was surely, above all, first and foremost, to hear what God would say to them. They were looking for a message. And I would suggest to you that when we're in sorrow or going through times of illness, is that not what we need more than anything? Is to hear the word of God. To keep the focus on Jesus Christ as our Savior. To be brought to the comfort of the word that tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That to be brought to the, the one who reminds us that he is in fact alive though he died. And that all who are in him will be raised with him. So that when we come to the death of a loved one who is in Christ, our sorrow is not like that of the world, but rather, while we are saddened for ourselves, there is in a sense almost a joy in our hearts because we know and take comfort from the fact that our loved one is with Christ, which is far better. And you see, what we read here directs us to the need today to have the ministry of the Word in the midst of God's people that all might hear. As we see here, Peter undertaking the ordinary duties, these opportunities came for miraculous works in his case. And when we go through the ordinary ministry of the Word, that I believe the Word will bear fruit. In fact, the Word of God is to be preached. That is God's way of proclaiming His truth. Whether that is through the formal preaching like this, or a word spoken to your friend and neighbor over the fence, or in your workplace, a word here and there, or even gathering and Bible study around the truth of God. Today, the ministry of the Word sometimes seems to have been pushed out. For some it has become rather mundane. It's not bearing the results. And yet, it is the ministry of the Word that the Bible brings us to every time. It is to be focused through the Word, which is all about Jesus, upon the One who is everlasting and brings everlasting life to those who believe. And we must maintain the truth of God. It is through the holy word of God that he will be pleased to work. If we leave out the message from God, what are we doing? We're leaving out the truth. We have nothing to say. Our confidence must be in him that he will make effectual the word that he has given and that he will be at work. We can learn from the word. We can learn from the testimony of others who have listened to the word. But it is focusing on Jesus Christ that really matters. And the ministry of the word brings that focus again and again. And that's what Peter did. I can't imagine an apostle like Peter who had been with the Lord doing anything other than keeping Christ at the center as he visited down Elida, as he went down to Joppa. Jesus was the going to be his message, the word concerning 
the Lord and the Master. So we today need to continue the ministering the word of truth. It is God's word. It's a word about Jesus. It's the word sinners need to hear in all its fullness to call them to repentance. But then that leads secondly to the miraculous healing. Here are two incidents. Uh, First of all, with an incident with Aeneas, a man paralyzed, bedridden for years and years. He's brought to Peter's attention. Peter speaks to him. And we need to heed Peter's words. Look what he says to Aeneas in verse 34. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and tidy your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. Peter did not heal him. Peter was merely the instrument in the hand of God. Peter gives the glory to Jesus Christ. It was Jesus, the one whom Peter speaks about, the resurrected Lord who was involved in this miracle of healing. And Aeneas is able to get up and go about his business. Peter The instrument in the hand of God brings help. But it is the help that comes through Jesus Christ. And what an amazing, what a wonderful miracle that is for us. Directs us to something of the very reason why Peter and the other apostles were able to do miraculous works and wonders. And why today we should not normally expect these things to happen. This miracle, and indeed the next miracle with Tabitha, were given as a seal upon the message that Peter brought. It was Jesus Christ who did the healing. Why? Because that authenticated the message concerning Jesus that Peter was speaking. And that, that miraculous work that was done helped the people to understand this is true. The risen Savior is at work. And it assures those who listen of the continuity from all that Jesus himself taught, though he died, that he is risen, and what Peter now teaches in his name. And that's why this miracle is a a sign to them that this is indeed the truth. The same could be said of the next miracle an even more amazing thing happens when Peter comes down and finds that Tabitha or as it translates Dorcas this wonderful disciple who had been doing good a disciple who was faithful in all her ways one who would be missed by the people for her good works they have placed her body in an upstairs room in repose and Peter comes He ministers to them, but when he goes into the room, he tells them all to leave. And what does he do? Well, we find what Peter does. Peter gets down on his knees and he prays. Because it's not Peter's power. It's not Peter himself that is going to do the work. It is the living God. He is crying out to God. He needs power from on high to come upon this lady if she is going to be healed 
and even restored to life again. And so Peter calls upon the Lord before he even thinks about turning to the woman and speaking to her. And it is only after prayer and crying out to God to be at work that he says to Tabitha to get up. And amazingly, she is restored. She comes back to life. And again, you see, this miracle is there to testify that Jesus defeated death. And he can still defeat death. Peter called upon him that those who trust in Jesus Christ would know that he is the one who has defeated death. And as they listened to that message and saw the miraculous work that was performed, the people knew this Christ that Peter's talking about is the one who has risen. He has brought our friend back to life. Surely this is the very way of life. We believe today that we are so far removed from this apostolic age. We should not go out looking for such miraculous signs. That does not mean that God does not have the power. God can do miracles far beyond our wildest thoughts. He can do things that we would never think of being done. He is still the same God. Mighty and powerful in all his ways. But what has God given us? He has given us his word. He has given us the account of God. And all that Jesus Christ came to do. We have in the word the message concerning Jesus and his miraculous works. And that should be enough for us and for people today. Of course, there will be people who will say to us, but look, if somebody comes and does a miracle, surely people will believe. If only they could see this with their own eyes. It didn't work like that for Jesus. So why will it work for us in this generation? Remember, people saw Jesus, heard Jesus, and were there witnessing his miraculous works. And still they did not believe. So it is folly to say to the nation, to the people today who are ungodly, if only they would see a miraculous work, they will believe. No, they won't. If they don't believe the message proclaimed concerning Jesus Christ, all the miracles in the world will not persuade them. Unless God, in his condescending, compassionate grace, enters into their hearts and changes them and brings them to see that he is Lord. Unless he opens their eyes to the truth of the word of God and shows them the God who sent his son to die and who raised his son to life again and conquered death, he is still the same. And they need to recognize that that is the miracle. And in fact, that teaches us that the greatest miracle of any miracle is the miracle of the new birth. When I was in my sin or you were in your sin, we were far from God. When people outside the kingdom are in their sin, they're so far from God, they're utterly dead 
and have no hope. What a miracle that God, by His Spirit, lays His hand upon the sinner and challenges him and changes him and gives him new life. He raises him from the deadness of sin to life in Christ. And that's the miracle that we are to pray for and to look for in our day. Oh yes, God can and will perhaps sometimes do things that amaze us, miraculous works. But it's not his normal way of working. We have the word. We have the account of all the wonderful things Jesus did. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Savior who is spoken of in the Scripture? For if you don't believe it as it is recounted in God's holy word, you will not believe it even. He raises the dead in our day. And so here we have the ministering of the word and we have these miraculous healings. Uh, And what a joy it is to know that God is still able to do miraculous works of bringing a sinner out of his sin. And that's what he does in this situation. And that leads us thirdly to think about the many who have believed. Think about the many here who believe. The miraculous signs were done. Peter has ministered the word. He had to be willing, telling the people And and as a result of the healing of Aeneas, we find that when people see him up and about and around, what do we read? We read in verse 35, All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Many believed. They believed because they saw the evidence of the working of Christ in this man's life. And also, we read that also in regard to uh, Tabitha. In verse 42, this became known, that she was restored to life, became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. The miraculous work brought many people to faith. But as I've said, sometimes people today will argue, well, why are there not miracles? Because we have the record of these miracles. And we have the greatest miracle of all. We have a risen Savior. We have Jesus Christ. And if people will not believe because we, uh, we, they hear of Him, they will not believe no matter what we do. And we need to call people to this faith. We need to be praying that God will call many to faith. Today, we long for people to come to faith. We desire that others would learn about Jesus Christ as Lord. And that ought to bring us to our knees. We could go back to Peter. What did he do with Tabitha? He was on his knees. He was praying that the God might revive her and give her back life. That God would be at work. And what a symbol that is that we need to be praying that God will be at work. 
crying out for him. For we have no power of our own. We cannot change a man's thoughts one iota. But our God can. We can preach the word, but we will only have make that word effective if God be pleased in miraculous ways to bring the challenge to the very heart of the hardest and unbelieving people around us. But what they need to hear is the message of the truth. They need to hear there is a Savior. They need to hear that He has conquered death. And they need to know that they need Him because they are sinners. Here then are things that we can learn from this portion of God's Word. There's a ministry of the Word and we need to maintain that the Word is central in all our work, focusing our minds on the truth. Jesus Christ, the Savior, has come. We're to trust in Him. It focuses in on the miraculous signs. But we have the greatest miracle of all. Christ is risen. And He has given us the account of that. And of all that He did. And we need to know that that should be enough. We need to cry out that the Lord will be at work, that many in our day will come to believe. Amen.